Sexual health is becoming more of an issue and concern for women as we see the advent of many uh, approved products for the treatment of sexual problems and women are really catching up in terms of understanding about sexual medicine and sexual psychology. The everyday OBGYN is really faced with a lot of challenges. There are uh, multiple issues in terms of changing health care, increasing demands in terms of obstetrical practices, as well as gynecological robotic surgery changes as well. Joining me today is Dr. Brett Worthy. He is a board-certified OBGYN assistant professor at the Department of OBGYN at the Ohio State University, and he successfully has incorporated sexual medicine and the evaluation, diagnostics, and treatment of women in his clinical practice. Brett, thank you so much for joining us today on SexMed on ReachMD. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And Brett, you know, I wanted to kind of ask you because it's really challenging sometimes with all the demands of electronic medical records and deliveries and surgery and juggling all those schedules. And we know that sexual health can really be a taxing facet in terms of incorporating it into your clinical practice. Tell me how you first got interested in this topic and why did you feel it was important to bring it into your clinical practice? Uh, I first got interested in all this uh, actually back when I was a resident. I had a a resident research project looking at uh, female sexual dysfunction um, in women with low socioeconomic status in Philadelphia. Uh, It was something interesting to me. It was something different. It was something I hadn't read much about in textbooks. Uh, And then uh, I had a couple uh, key patient encounters at at times throughout residency where I thought I really knew everything that there was to know about OBGYN. And then uh, all of a sudden there was a sexual question, and I turned bright red, and I felt really uncomfortable and and didn't know what to say or do, um, and somehow figured out a way to get through that patient encounter, uh, and then started asking questions of uh, my attending physicians and, and realized that, you know, there was some knowledge in the area, but there was an awful lot more knowledge to be uh, learned and created as well. Meanwhile, there's a movement going on, like you were mentioning, in the United States with uh, more and more focus on sexual problems for women. Um, the idea that so many women are getting older uh, in that baby boom generation and sexual problems aren't an acceptable, normal part of life. They need to be dealt with in this generation, which I think is wholly appropriate. Um, so uh, it was a, a few different forces that were coming along all at the same time um, that got me interested, that got me going, and uh, uh, then helped me to get where I am. Uh, I landed at Ohio State um, back about two and a half years ago, uh, and it was just kind of the the perfect setup, if you will. There, uh, There's already some interest in something like this going on. There are some people in uh, different parts of our university, um, and, and it just so happened that the pieces fell in uh, into place, uh, and we created a, a women's sexual health clinic um, uh, about half a day a week uh, designed specifically to help women uh, with sexual problems. So, Brett, it sounds like your journey was a little bit similar to mine as I found that the more questions that I asked, the less answers I knew and really embarked on that journey in terms of understanding and then kind of just kind of mushroomed one opportunity to the next. And, you know, many uh, clinicians are interested in, in this, and there's not really formalized 
you know, a fellowship in sexual medicine. I do a, a preceptorship in my office on sexual medicine and where I have clinicians come and learn intensively. I also do a course on how to become a certified sex therapist. But many of us in this field just have an interest and then really embark on trying to find more and more educational um, opportunities. Uh, and I was fortunate enough to land in the you know sexual oncology realm and as well as have a, a large clinical practice that does not have patients who have chronic disease. But one of the, the interest, uh, interesting facets is that you don't really work in a vacuum. You really have to work in conjunction with a variety of different specialties, whether it's urology, whether it's uh, therapy, whether it's physical therapy, whether it's endocrinologists and what have you. Um, how did you bring together your multidisciplinary team and who do you think is a vital component for uh, making a successful program? And what do you think? Uh, great question. So uh, I asked, uh, and at one point it was as simple as that, and there are some people who uh, turned the other way and weren't interested at all, um, but we had enough people here at Ohio State who really were interested, uh, who understood the scope of the problem, something like uh, you know, 11 to 40% of women will have some sort of sexual problem potentially at some point. Um, uh, they understood that it was part of caring for women in a, a holistic sense, uh, and they really got on board quickly. And it, it just, uh, it was great to see, you know, we have a psychologist, we have a urogynecologist, we have a chronic public pain specialist, uh, a psychiatrist, we have a, a vulvar pain specialist, we have uh, many in the physical therapist, the public for physical therapists. So quickly, all of a sudden, just by asking, uh, these people said, yes, sure, you know, how can we help? Uh, and then um, once I asked, I, I just listened. And uh, to hear their ideas and see what they thought as far as uh, the best way to do this. Uh, and we worked back and forth. You know, um, uh, some people were eager at participating and really wanted to, to do everything they could with it. And some people were less excited but still wanted to be uh, loosely involved with uh, getting patient referrals, those kinds of things. So uh, just different uh, relationships evolved, and um, I think they're still evolving. Uh, and I feel like there's some sort of feedback. A lot of providers have this sensation where, you know, they don't know what to do with female sexual dysfunction. Like you're saying, you know, uh, there isn't a lot of training that most physicians get in this field, and it's something that we kind of train ourselves as time progresses with knowledge and courses and um, uh, research and those kinds of things. Uh, and so there's this also thing that uh, a lot of these different providers from uh, different specialties that they gain from joining this collaboration. Uh, all of a sudden, instead of you know being left uncomfortable, they're able to talk through it a little bit better, understand what's the OBGYN perspective, what's the urology perspective, what's the psychology perspective, uh, because we were meeting regularly. Uh, and all of a sudden, they felt like they were better healthcare providers than that. So it was something that they gave, but something also that they received. Uh, and I think that exchange was really valuable in, in building what we have. Right, Brad. And I think, you know, one other caveat, I think, to remember is uh, jack of all trades and master of none. We have to be really careful uh, about overreaching our limits. And, you know, I teach this to the residents all the time that uh, referral is not uh, a sign of uh, inferiority. It's really a, a, a sign of maturity and understanding that uh, we can't know everything. On the flip side, we really need to recognize that too many cooks in the kitchen may spoil the broth, and competing uh, opinions and competing uh, prescriptions 
uh, sometimes just cause more confusion. So we have to have that fine balance of knowing when to get help and also how to coordinate that help as well. And, you know, I'm not only a sexual medicine clinician, but also a sex therapist, and really incorporating not only medical and psychological is really important. If you're just tuning in right now, you're listening to Sex Med on ReachMD. I'm your host, Dr. Michael Critchman. Joining me today is Dr. Brett Worley. He is a board-certified OBGYN who's incorporated sexual medicine into his uh, clinical practice. Uh, Brett, what are some of the common problems that you see uh, with your patients, and what are some of the challenges or pitfalls that you have also noticed? Uh, it really varies. Uh, on a daily basis, uh, I see a whole host of different patients, and I think that's one of the great things about being part of a, an academic university setting, but you know, p- could potentially uh, be that same way wherever I am. Um, so uh, just with starting up the Women's Sexual Health Clinic, um, I've started giving talks around the university, uh, and that's really kind of encouraged healthcare providers to at least think about this issue and think about screening on a regular basis. So because there's more screening that's going on, I've all of a sudden started getting people that have uh, sexual desire problems, that have arousal problems, um, uh, sexual pain disorders, orgasmic issues, uh, phobias regarding sex. Um, uh, there's a whole host of different types of patients that I see. Uh, and uh, it's, it's been really helpful from my perspective, too, because uh, I feel like uh, in reading those referral notes, I can see now that uh, some of those other healthcare providers are understanding more about you know, screening and, and diagnosis and, and the different criteria. So it's really helped me uh, reassure myself that I'm doing the right things and educating other people, and they're doing the right thing by screening their patients and sending them off to me. Uh, some of the pitfalls, I think, um, uh, it's been a little bit tough uh, early going in the past few years before we had some of the newer medications that were available. Now that we have some of the medications, that some of them are helpful, but I, I think that there's still a long way to go. And, and oftentimes I get this, this feeling, particularly for patients that have um, uh, decreased desire problems, uh, particularly the perimenopausal ones, they want to go ahead and get a, a low-risk medication that's going to work perfectly for every single time and, and, and making sure that expectations are realistic, uh, working through the medication options that we have, um, uh, but then also thinking about things like relationships. And, and like you were mentioning before, you know, you're a, a sexual therapist as well, and, and oftentimes there isn't just one pill that's going to fix them. Uh, it's something that's a, a longitudinal process where they have to work at it within their relationship, sometimes breaking up old routines and trying new things can be really tough. Uh, the other thing that I feel like is challenging sometimes is uh, patients have sexual pain issues. Um, uh, again, you know, they feel like they want to come to me, they want to get fixed and, and go on and, and have a, a wonderful sex life. Uh, and while oftentimes they can make progress and improvements for them, uh, again, it's a, a long uh, process. Uh, sometimes it requires trials of different medications sometimes different types of treatments and therapies and evaluations, sometimes surgery. But uh, I feel like that's something that, that's different sometimes is that people expect a quick fix. And, and I don't always necessarily always have that for them, uh, but I always tell them up front, you know, about how long I think it'll take before we go ahead and make some progress on this, what's the quickest, what's the slowest, uh, to give them realistic expectations about uh, what's ahead. 
Well, I think that's really important. And, you know, I think that it's a multidimensional issue, multifaceted approach. There's a lot of uh, things that we do have in our war chest to help uh, women help themselves from conservative to aggressive to medications to behavioral changes. And I think your your points of educating patients and really providing realistic expectations is really the key. And it's okay to say you're not going to get fixed in one visit. It's okay to recognize the time limitations that uh, the average OBGYN may have and may have to solve the problem over a sequence of visits and really um, give the patient realistic expectations, uh, a management plan that is realistic for them as well as for you and your clinical practice. Brett, I really want to thank you today. Unfortunately, we've run out of time. Uh, You really brought a very important topic to the forefront. And as we see more medications being studied and researched and really promoted, we're going to see women driven into the uh, OBGYN generalist office asking for treatments and having these communication skills as well as diagnostic Um, network that can help you help them really will be vital in terms of overall treatment and management. I'm Dr. Michael Critchman. You've been listening to Sex Med on ReachMD. Be sure to visit our website at reachmd.com slash sexualmedicine to download this segment as well as others in the series. And remember, sexual health is general health. Thank you again for listening.